And then there were two restricted free agents left to sign by the Boston Bruins, that is, after a trio of signings was announced here on Monday morning. We're going to talk about them, talk about Trent Frederick compared to Tanner Genot in Tampa Bay, and also Anton Strauman being betrayed by the Boston Bruins this past season. Let's get into it on a fresh episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be. Today is Monday, July 17th, and I want to thank you so, so much for making Locked On Bruins part of your day every single day. The podcast is free and available on your favorite podcast app, as well as on YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And a quick programming note, the NHL podcasts are going down to three shows per week beginning today. However, I'm still going to be here Monday through Friday this week in advance of going on vacation next week where there might be one show um, if something big breaks or definitely later on in the week when I return. So getting that out of the way. Also, if you're on Twitter, Instagram, you can find the podcast at Locked NHL Bruins. You can find me, my dad jokes, Hoggy Thoughts, at Ian C. McLaren on Twitter, on Instagram, and on threads. Let's start with the news of the day. The Bruins this morning, while I was at the Honda dealership getting a belt replaced on my Odyssey, announcing the signing of three restrictive free agents to one-year, two-way contracts, each with an NHL cap hit of $775,000. Those three players are goaltender Michael DiPietro and defenseman Alec Regula and Riley Walsh. DiPietro acquired in the Jacksonica trade last season with the Vancouver Canucks. One NHL game with Providence last season. Uh, you got a win, 943 save percentage. He also appeared in 29 games with the Maine Mariners with a 19-9 and record with a 9-18 save percentage. Uh, he's played in 75 career AHL games with Providence, Utica, Abbotsford, a 9-06 save percentage. He was originally drafted by the Canucks, 64th overall in 2017. What's interesting about DiPietro is that there's a bit of a logjam in the minor league goaltending depth chart with DiPietro, Kyle Kieser, and Brandon Bussey. Um, so who gets the lion's share of starts in Providence? Is one guy moved? Does someone play in the NHL? Is this some sort of insurance for Jeremy Swayman not signing or Linus Allmark being traded? Uh, I mean, it's just good to have extra depth in the uh, goaltending position, and the Bruins have that 
DiPietro was pretty highly touted coming out of junior and, and with the Canucks. He had requested a trade because he wasn't getting the playing time that he thought he was due in his development. So we'll see what happens here um, with DiPietro and where he goes uh, this coming season. Riley Walsh, he appeared in 71 games with the Utica Comets last season. Nine goals, 32 assists for 41 points. Uh, he made his NHL debut with the New Jersey Devils two seasons ago. And he notched one assist against the Senators. He was originally drafted by the Devils in the third round, also in the 2017 NHL entry draft, uh, 81st overall. And Walsh, of course, was acquired earlier this offseason in a trade with the uh, New Jersey Devils in exchange for Shane Bowers. Uh, Bowers had been a first-round pick in, well, was it the same draft? I'm not sure, but I thought Bowers had a shot to maybe uh, contend for some playing time this season. But, um, yeah, he was drafted in the first round in that 2017. Uh, selection round as well. So Walsh, some good depth on defense, as is Alec Regula, 22 years old, 51 games with the Rockford Ice Hogs last season, five goals, 16 assists. He played in four games with the Blackhawks. Um, he was drafted in the third round back in 2018 and has 12 goals, 39 assists for 51 points in 108 career AHL games. I actually covered Regula a bit back when uh, I was kind of transitioning between working at the score and jumping on here with the Locked On Network. I did some prospect coverage for various SB Nation sites, and Alec Regula, then a Chicago Blackhawks prospect. I covered him, Mackenzie Entwistle, and uh, Adam Boakvist. And what stood out for me with Regula is that he was no Regula defenseman. He was deployed on the power play, but in the bumper position because the London Knights at the time had both Adam Boakvist and Evan Bouchard playing on the uh on the defensive spots on the power play. Uh, there was one game in particular where regular had a hat trick that I uh, watched him here in Guelph. And uh, some of those goals came from that bumper position on the power play. So some flexibility there. I'm not saying he's going to be with the Bruins this season, but they now have some pretty decent depth on the blue line. Eight guys up in the NHL at the moment. Uh, with Shattenkirk, Mitchell, Zborl fighting for that sixth spot. And then, you know, uh, Alec Regula, Riley Walsh, Parker Witherspoon, Michael Callahan, Mason Lorai, Ryan Mast, and Daniel Renouf still uh, there as well. A bit of an older guy who uh, will challenge for playing time at the AHL level. Mitchell Miller, of course, still under contract as well. For whatever reason, uh, he should be bought out. But perhaps the Bruins don't want that extra money against the cap. Not quite sure what their plan is with there. Anyways, those three restricted free agents now under contract, two-way deals. So 
all likely will be in the minors this season. If they do come up, $775,000 cap hit at the NHL level. That leaves two restricted free agents to be signed, and they are, of course, Jeremy Swayman and Trent Frederick. And there was a contract signing over the weekend that could potentially impact Trent Frederick, and we will discuss that after the break. FanDuel is the official partner of Locked On and Major League Baseball, and for good reason. They are a fantastic host for all your bets on sports. You can take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. No better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. And thank you so much once again for making Locked On Bruins part of your day every single day. As I mentioned, we'll still be daily here through this week, July 17th to 21st. Tomorrow, we're going to break down the three most important players to the Bruins' success in 2023-2024. One of those guys could be Trent Frederick, still unsigned with a arbitration hearing set for two weeks hence. And there was a contract signed over the weekend that could inform what our boy Freddie is looking for on his next deal. And that is Tanner Genot in Tampa Bay signing a two-year $4.53 million contract. That's an average annual valuation of... Uh, uh, not very good at math, 2.665 or 2.265. Now, I had said before that I think Jeannot is a reasonable comparison for our boy Trent Frederick. And I'm going to share my screen here for those of you watching on YouTube so that we can look together at why I believe that is the case. Now, Frederick... Jeannot, similar players in that they can provide some depth scoring, also have a bit of uh, stink to their games. And if we look at basic stats comparison from this past season, our boy boy Freddie clearly has the advantage. 79 games played, 17 goals versus 6 for Jeannot, 14 assists versus 12. That's a 13-point advantage. Now, Frederick's shooting percentage, almost 10, 9% higher. So a bit of poor puck luck for Jeannot last season. But still, um, an 11-goal differential is nothing to sneeze at. 0.39 points per game versus 
17 even strength goals, 30 even strength points, nothing on special teams. Although, sorry, one shorthanded assist. And we'll see here in a moment that that's really where the differentiator is. Um, Janot had 107 more penalty minutes, which to some is an advantage, but that's, you know, 50 more minutes. He's off the ice compared to on it. And uh, plus minus, if you're into that, you can see the difference there. Frederick also had 13 more shots. Let's quickly jump down to the last three years stats comparison because that gives us a fuller picture. So Frederick has uh, nine more games played, six fewer goals, six fewer assists, and 12 fewer points than Tanner Janot. A lot of people, or one person in particular on Twitter, when I made this comparison, said, well, Janot in 2021-22 had 24 goals. He also had almost a 20 shooting percentage, which... Highly inflated. Frederick last season had those um, 17 goals, but only 14% shooting percentage, not overly inflated. Janot's shooting percentage over the past three years is about 2.8% higher, which would account for a goal or two uh, in his favor. So 12 point uh, total difference. 0.38 points per game compared to 0.3 for Trent Frederick. So Frederick may have the advantage over last season, bigger picture over last three years, you know, a bit more productive points wise, uh, five, five more even strength points. He has had some power play time. He's got some shorthanded points. Uh, Frederick with more shots on goal. And that's where the shot percentage comes in. If it had been raised a bit, you see a couple more goals. 1.5 shots per game each. Frederick with more shots per 60. And here we see a big differentiator. Hits 661 versus 285. Blocks 133-72. And this is the big one for me. As you know, with two minutes and five seconds of average Shorthanded time on ice over the past three years compared to just 26 for Frederick. So, yeah, you can see here how things skew more in favor of Jeannot over the past three years. More productive offensively, although, yes, a higher shooting percentage. Um, more in the way of intangibles, hits, blocks and shorthanded ice time. That's an area that Frederick really needs to grow his game. So what's the difference there in terms of valuation? Juno 2.265. Where do you cut back on Frederick there in terms of overall valuation per year? Is that worth a million, 500,000? Where is his representatives going to say, you know, we believe he can be this type of player, so he should be paid as such, or the Bruins will come back and say, look, you think you're that type of player, but you need to show that on a nightly basis. We need to be able to 
trust you or rely on you for some penalty killing. You know, Thomas Noshik is gone. Can you step in and kill some penalties for us? Uh, we need you to throw the body around a bit more, but responsibly, not recklessly, and racking up needless penalty minutes. We need you to put your body on the line a bit more and block some shots. You know, the further this goes, the more we may be seeing a difference in what um, Frederick and his representatives are valuing him at versus where the Bruins are valuing him at. As we get closer to the arbitration hearing, we'll see what his ask is. We'll see what the Bruins' uh, offer is and get a better idea of kind of the gap that exists there. But I'm willing to bet, you know, it's somewhat significant at this point. But if you look at the comparison between Juneau and Frederick, yes, Frederick had a much more productive 2022-23. Then Jeannot, only 18 points for the Tampa Bay player in 76 games. 0.24 points per game. He's a year older as well. Frederick, perhaps a bit of growth still in his game as he plays center more, perhaps. As he gets stronger in the faceoff dot, blocks more shots. A top player in the fact that he was drafted in the first round back in 2016. So he really should be hitting his stride this coming season. And uh, the Bruins are probably saying this is a real show me year with more responsibilities bestowed on you. And um, let's go for a one year bridge deal, two year bridge deal, perhaps show us what you can really do with more minutes, bigger responsibilities, and then you'll be paid as such on your next deal. But I would bet, they're looking around 1.5 uh, to pay him at the moment, which is still a raise over his previous deal. His qualifying offer at the moment comes in at, uh, let's see, 1.15. So I think 1.5, no more than two is where Frederick should be at the moment. And we'll keep an eye on that as things develop, of course, with respect to both Frederick and Swayman, probably the biggest things yet to be resolved this summer for the Bruins, apart from Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, whether or not they all come back. Uh, we're going to talk about Anton Strawman and his displeasure about how things went down last season coming up here after the break. All right, real quick, uh, before I get into Anton Strawman, there was a bit of brouhaha, people say that, probably not, over the weekend with uh, Brad Marchand doing a photo shoot, a mysterious letter on his jersey. I believe it was just to show off some new equipment. It was through Warrior Hockey. Uh, people thought, oh, maybe it's him wearing a C. No, it was clearly an A. You can see from another Instagram account that it was an A. Uh, Marshawn could be a candidate to be the captain next season if Bergeron's not back, but nothing going on there. Um, still waiting, and it wasn't until August 8th last season that we got an announcement on Bergeron, so uh, we still wait. Now, Anton Strauman, going back to Sweden to play. His NHL days are over, 
And in an interview with Expressin, he clearly was not happy with how things went down with the Bruins last season. He joined the team on a PTO, signed a one-year, $1 million contract, and then basically buried him in the AHL because, I mean, he just wasn't at the level of the rest of their blue line. No room there when everybody was healthy. Forbort, Clifton, Jakobs Borrell, um, just no real room there. And in this interview, which, yes, using Google Translate, but uh, if there's any Swedish people out there who have a better translation, here is what he said. Now, again, he was signed to that one-year deal, and he said uh, they did as they probably thought at the beginning. It became a loan for a few months. Then they got rid of me in the AHL. You feel betrayed. That was not what we were talking about. And it's an example of how it can be. Basically, he thought perhaps he was going to be guaranteed some time at the NHL level, wanted to play for a team that had a chance to win. And certainly the Bruins were that. He said it's not, you know, always great when NHL players complain and he understands how that can sound, but it is an example of how it can work over there. They say one thing and sell one thing, then it doesn't matter for a couple of months. It was heavy. Then the time in the U.S. ended when the contract expired. The choice to move home was basically already made. He added, it's clear there are a lot of emotions, partly the last year in Boston, but also everything that had been fantastic, a lot to reflect on. In the end, grateful for his time in the NHL and um, sad, I guess, disappointed that it didn't work out with the Bruins. He said as late as last October, he it was clear that he had signed on to join an original six club, a relatively cheap one-year contract, wanted to join a team that had a chance to win, wanted a chance to compete for a spot on the team, and he did not want to be an AHL player. And in fact, he wasn't at the end of the season. He basically bailed on the team. And that's what he got. He got a chance to compete for a spot on the team. He didn't make the team. So it's not really the Bruins kind of betraying him in my mind. It's more, sorry, bud, you just weren't up to the level of what the Bruins were looking for to shore up the blue line. Uh, Connor Clifton really stepped up. He earned that contract in Buffalo as a result. And, um, you know, Strawman goes on to talk about how it's a tough life for NHL players, especially if you're away from home, uh, balancing hockey life and family life, not always easy. He wanted one more shot at a cup. I mean, he effectively got it in Boston, but again, just was not able to crack the roster, called it a cutthroat business. Uh, A lot of lying, a lot of going behind one's back, saying one thing and doing another. It's tough conditions. Set up and down, told one thing, something else is done. 
Someone's cut here and there. It's a tough league to manage when you don't know how it works. Few who say when you drive over that it doesn't work like anywhere else, not like in Europe. I mean, it's the best league in the world, Anton. Um, you're getting up there in age. Just couldn't quite hang with the Bruins last season. And um, you know if he was guaranteed playing time, guaranteed a shot to represent the team in the playoffs, that's one thing. I'd be shocked if that was the case. Uh, that he was guaranteed that he would be part of the team all season long. Um, you know, it's it's too bad it didn't work out for him in Boston, uh, but he was clearly not high enough on the depth chart to get regular playing time with that club last season. Wish him all the best going forward, as we do with Zach Sinitian, who's off to Germany. Uh, I won't continue the bust or reach debate here on the podcast, but I will say it was not his fault that he was drafted so high. If he was drafted in the second or third round where he should have gone, nobody would call him a bust because it's different expectations, different trajectory. Uh, I wish him well. And uh, maybe eventually he finds his way back to North American pro game, but just want the guy to be happy at this point. Um, there was one other, oh yeah, Andre Kasha going back to play over in Europe as well. Didn't catch on with the Bruins or the Leafs or the Hurricanes because of those ongoing concussion issues. Hope he uh, can get healthy and uh, just enjoy this, enjoy life as um, a hockey player and with his family. All right, that is it for today's episode, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to Locked On Boston Bruins here on this beautiful Monday. Uh, Please do take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss three players who will be essential to Boston's success next season and bring you all the latest here on the black and gold here on locked on Boston Bruins, part of the locked on podcast network, your favorite team every single day.